Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at this. It's not really a Christmas message, but it, it is a little bit of a Christmas message. And I'd like to look at it from the perspective of Joseph. Now, I know you're reading the slides. <laughs> you're ahead of me back there. Yeah, I might even talking. So I, wanted, I want you to think of this, of this message in terms, at least part of it, in terms of Joseph. Of course, we know who Joseph and Joseph and Mary. And, and Joseph was a good Jewish lad. He grew up as a Jew, and he knew he had to be exposed at different times of his life. We're sure that he was exposed to verses of the coming Messiah, the coming Savior. He understood he had to be exposed to this. It was just an education it was something that was done in the home. It was done in the, in, the, in the congregational life. And teachings were a regular part of Jewish culture. He had to be exposed to the verses talking about the coming Messiah. And these are some of the verses that he would have known. Genesis twenty two eighteen. We are told that through Abraham's offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed. The Messiah would be of Abraham's offspring. The Savior would be of that offspring. Numbers 24. Joseph would have, would have known he is from the line of Jacob, Abraham's grandson. So we know, again, from Abraham. Now it's being more specific through Jacob. Uh, Isaiah 11.1, 1, Joseph was exposed to this. He is from the line of Jesse, David's father. So now it's even going further down. Jeremiah 23, we know he's from the line of King David. And this verse, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. The name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous Savior. So, this would be an exposure that Joseph would have had to this verse. 2 Samuel 7, 12-13, <clears throat> starting again, stating again that he's from the line of David. So there's another, there's a reiteration. He, again, he's from the line of David. Micah 5.2, he would be born into the tribe of Judah, into the region. And it's a little bit cut off down there, but Bethlehem. We know that he's going to come from Bethlehem. So this is something that Joseph would have known. There's one great scripture that I think that, jo that we're sure Joseph is exposed to. And we'll read this as a standalone. Go ahead, Dylan. All right, Isaiah 7, 14. And by the way, I'm getting a little feedback up here, a little hum. You hear a lot of hum? All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. We know the Messiah, he would have known the Messiah would come from a virgin. The virgin will conceive a child. That's a crazy concept. If we had no other verses, if he had no other verses, he would have, the virgin would, create a, would conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is what he had. Maybe other bits and pieces of things. But this is basically what he had. Now, imagine... The hundreds of years that go by between these verses and the reality of Joseph's life. Joseph is engaged, and somehow he hears that his fiancée, and maybe she told him directly, maybe somebody else told him, we don't know exactly uh, all the details of how all these conversations went, family members, I mean, we don't know all these conversations that Joseph heard, but he found out that she was, his fiancée, a virgin, was pregnant. Now, if that's you, and you hear your fiancé is pregnant, it's not your baby, and your fiancé is a virgin, could you just imagine your responses? I just want to let that sit in for a minute. 
Joseph's a man. And he knows, and he, we know that he's been exposed to these verses. And he knows that a Messiah is going to come. And he hears it's his fiance that's pregnant. Isn't that something? Just as a human being thinking, whoa. And he's, he, we know that the scriptures say that he's a just man and he thinks to save honor for her that he's going to break up with her. And as he's doing this, an angel appears and gives him some instruction. Go ahead, Dylan. And, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, husband, she, they're betrothed at this point, uh, engaged, and it's a formal contractual relationship, so they're using the term husband, um, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, what should I do with her? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Now, now the instructions get specific for him. All those other instructions were, you know, kind of out there. They're kind of floating out. Now he's got an angel telling him stuff. Do not, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Whoa. An angel tells him this. Whoa. My fiance is going to have this baby. Whoa. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which mean, means God with us. Whoa. Mary's the one. Now Joseph's engaged. They go through this thing. <clears throat> they're married, and there's a decree, and they're going to do, well, well, let's just read the decree. Go ahead, Dylan. Luke 2, 1 through 7. And it happened in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, to register all the world's inhabitants, everybody all over the world, everybody that's in these spaces has to register. This was the first census taken when Quinius was the governor of Syria. You know, I, 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 like, I liken this, and this is just my imagination, I liken this to going to the DMV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just standing in one of those lines. And of course, back then it wasn't just the DMV, it was a big trek they had to go to this place. Everyone was traveling to be registered in his own home, his own city. Now Joseph went up from the Galilee out of the town of Nazareth. This is a, that's kind of a Hebrew pronunciation to Judah, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. So he's in Nazareth. He's got to go to Bethlehem because he was from the house and the family of David. That's where all the family of David would go register. He went to register with Miriam or Mary, who was engaged and was pregnant. But while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and set him down in a manger since there was no room at the inn. Most, if not all of us, have heard this story before. But imagine it from Joseph's perspective. Remember, his fiance, the Holy Spirit, he goes, whoa! And sometime later, there's a governmental directive that he's got to go register. So he loads up his wife, who's heavy with child. She is really, really expecting. She is really due. Now, some of you ladies have told me <clears throat> through pregnancies, when it's tough to be pregnant. You're carrying around a lot of weight. Any of you ladies ever felt that way? Any of you men feel that way? You feel like you got a belly? And I'm just, we'll leave that out. <laughs> But he, he takes her to do his government duty, to go to whatever government process he's got to go through and all those details. And he takes her. And did he ever imagine that the Messiah would be born that way? Did Joseph imagine 
that he was going to have to travel with a pregnant woman to Bethlehem, and there would be no room at the inn. He would, she would be born in a manger, a place for animals, and the baby, the Messiah, the Savior, would sit where animals eat. Did he ever imagine that as a human being? All he, he didn't know is going to be that kind of birth. I mean, <clears throat> wouldn't it be reasonable to think if you're the one, if you're going to be the caretaker for the Savior of the world, that you would want the best? Wouldn't you want the best? You would think this is the Savior of the world. Somehow the Lord is going to provide a great room. Now, I don't, we don't know that he really felt that way, but it's reasonable to think, did he ever imagine that the Savior of the world would be born in a barn? That's a tough one, isn't it? If he wouldn't have known the prophecy, he knew the prophecies, but if the angel wouldn't have shown up, he would have gone through, or may have gone through, and separated with Mary, even though he knew the prophecies of the coming Savior. And then when the Savior, when he did know the, prophe- the prophecies of the Savior, and he did know what the, angel, what the angel wanted him to do, and he went to Bethlehem, I wonder if he thought that's really how it would be then. All through this way, I just wondered, Joseph's state of mind, what kind of experience this birth of the Savior was. Are you with me? He's just a man. The Savior of the world is going to be what? Born in a barn? Does this seem reasonable? Couldn't there be one room at the end? Hey, innkeeper, don't you know who my wife is pregnant with? <laughs> this is your Savior. I mean... You follow me, right? Sometimes we have things right under our nose and we miss them. Or we don't understand them fully. And I think there's a tremendous lesson in Joseph's experience for us. You know, there's a very physical example of this too. We know that we know that later on when Jesus was 12, Joseph and Mary take Jesus, their, their family, they all head to Jerusalem, and they leave Jerusalem, and they're a day out of Jerusalem returning home. And somebody said, where's Jesus? They forgot him. I don't know if they forgot him. They didn't know he, they, he wasn't with the crowd, so I'm sure they unintentionally left him. You know, you think you have something sometimes, and you don't. Anybody ever forgot their, their children anywhere? <laughs> Let me, let me ask this question. Has any child ever been forgotten anywhere? <laughs> I remember I was, on a, I was on a youth trip once, just with my youth leader, and I was probably about 15 years old. And we were in Chicago. We had taken a day trip to Chicago with my youth leader. His name was Pastor John. And we had a great time doing all the sites in Chicago, everything we had to do, whatever that was. We came back, and we were in Milwaukee, and we went to a pizza hut. Some of you remember pizza huts. And we went to a pizza hut. We're standing in line to order our pizza. And somebody said, hey, where's Tammy? Somebody in the youth group got left in Chicago. (laughs) And I remember watching my youth pastor go, oh. (laughs) That was before cell phones. And it turned out she was okay. Thank thank God, really. She was in downtown Chicago, and she managed to find a police station. And I was standing next to Pastor John when he picked up the phone, the pay phone on the wall. Oh, hi, Tammy's parents. Uh, Yeah. Oh, she called? Oh, okay, I'll go back and get her. <laughs> Sometimes we don't have things right under our nose. We miss them, or we don't understand them, or we can overlook them. It's horrible. Jesus is born in a manger. Did Joseph understand all through history? I'm not sure that people fully understand 
the birth. You know, him coming and being born is an interesting thing. Scriptures in the Bible, if we look at all the scriptures in the New Testament, the New Covenant about the birth of Jesus, there's not that many. There's a lot of them about the resurrection of Jesus. A lot. There's less than 100 on the birth of Jesus. There's more than 600 on the resurrection of Jesus. So clearly the key point here is the resurrection. All of you here, we all have something in common. We were all born. <laughs> Jesus was born. That was the start of the journey. When he came, he took something on. And I think we look back a lot of times all through the world, people will look back and they miss the, the, the significance of the birth. We think of the ending, which is there's a real punch. Anybody who rises from the dead gets my attention. But there's something in the birth as well. Are you with me? But I want to make sure we get it. So it's interesting to look at the, some other major world's religions' perceptions of Jesus. You know, you would think that most of the world's religions wouldn't give Jesus the time of day. You know, they're competitors. You know, the Bible doesn't mention anything about other religions. It's fascinating. But other religions mention something about Jesus. Isn't that something? Hindu. Hindus believe that Jesus was a holy man, a wise teacher, and even one of the many gods. That's awfully big of you Hindus. <laughs> I think he's the path to the one God. Buddhists see him as enlightened, as a wise teacher who displayed the right kind of compassion, love, and self-sacrifice that should be a lesson to all. Muslims believe that Jesus was born of a virgin to a mother named Mary and a father uh, named Joseph. There's Arabic translations, but it's the same name. He is highly respected in Islam as a prophet and teacher. They believe that he did ascend into heaven, and they believe that he's coming back to teach Islam. It's amazing. They're so close. <laughs> so close. Jews. <clears throat> now, I suppose if we look at the Bible, somebody will come back and say, well, yes, Judaism is mentioned in the scriptures. Well, of course it is. It's largely a Jewish book. It's, made, it's bill written for Jews. <laughs> but yes, it's going to be. <clears throat> you know, some people will say it's a Christian book. The New Testament's a Christian book. No, it's not. It's the newest covenant. It's prophesied in Jeremiah 31. So, Jews. There's kind of two slants of how Jews view Jesus. There's one of the first and second centuries, and they view Jesus very favorably. He's a very nice guy. Many people at one point, it was believed that, oh, this is after the resurrection, that over 30% of all Jews in Jerusalem, over 30% were estimated were believers. They believed he was the one. And the ones who didn't thought he was a really nice guy. Then after the second century, there was all kinds of persecutions. Uh, the Jews suffered all kinds of persecutions. And it became illegal for Jews to follow a Jewish rabbi named Jesus. Which is, it's a funny thing, isn't it? And other things happen. The Crusades happen, and big Crusaders ride into towns with crosses on their shields and say, you convert to Christianity or we'll kill you. Martin Luther is quoted from Hitler, right? So Jews, modern-day Jews, look at Jesus as, you know, that guy, the extremist. In some cases, they don't know who he is. So if we look at what do the Jews think about Jesus, there's very often two perspectives, the first and second century, and then modern-day misunderstandings. But the world has a sense of who he is. A sense. We could go all over the world and say, who's Jesus? And in most areas, people are going to have some sort of answer. They will have heard of him, which is remarkable. 
He didn't write things. He didn't travel far. People are still talking about him. All over. And again, other religions have taken in his teachings. Or they recognize the value of who he is. But they don't always know him. And I think in our country, we have religion galore. It's all over the place. But we don't always recognize who he is. We get these ideas built up of who he is. For example, for example, he's a guy who came to teach us good things. That's what Jesus does. He teaches us good things. We see that a lot of times. Some of you, I bet you, your parents sent you to a parochial school when you were a child so you would learn good things. That happened to anybody here? Your parents sent you to learn good things? Not even Jesus. Good things, because Jesus brings good things. We used to have a school here, and it was very common for us to get phone calls from parents. And they would say, my child is you know, a fighter, or my child uh, has problems, and I want to send him to your school so you can teach him good things. What? That's your job as parents, right? You teach your child good things. We're going to teach the Lord and reading and writing And, you know, by the way, what is the definition of good? This is a horrible thing. Ava Braun thought Hitler was a good guy. Who's, you know, people define what's good. They're so squishy about it. Another thing that people think, well, if I need something, I'll just tell God, I'll just tell him I need it. I'll, I'll just tell him. He's there, I'll just tell him I need something. Jesus, I need something. I know you were born and you lived all those years, so I need something. You ever see those movies? There's a big action scene and somebody has to run from one place to another place and it's all kinds of fighting. They make the sign of the cross. You know what I'm talking about? Because that sign of the cross is going to protect him from all bullets. <laughs> God, I need this. Help me. I'm going this way, so get me there. If you don't get me there, I'm going to be real mad. You know, people do this stuff with him all the time. Jesus, if you're really there, you're going to do this. Why do you mean if he's really there, he's going to do this? He was born. He lived all those years to make a statement. He didn't do it just so we could tell him something. He did not, was not born for people who think that they can just compartmentalize him. There's a verse on this. Let's look at the verse, Dylan. Romans 11, 30 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord who, or who has been his counselor? Who can tell God what's up? Who can, who can do this? Or who has given a gift that he might be repaid? And this last part is the part I really like about trying to compartmentalize him. For from him and through him and to him are all, all things are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We can't compartmentalize God. We can't compartmentalize what Jesus did. Jesus, you are on Sunday in my life. But then on Monday, I go to work. Or if you're retired, on Monday, I go about life's business. Whatever that is. And on Tuesday, I do it again. And Wednesday, I do it again. Friday night, well, that's my time to unwind. And if I'm really tired, I'll sleep in on Saturday morning because I have to do that. But don't worry, Jesus. I'll be back on Sunday, and I'll have my Sunday friends. 
You know what I'm talking about? That's not why he was born. He knows everything. He's not waiting for us to fit him in on Sunday mornings. What a waste of his life that would have been. There are churches that just teach devoutly, go to church, go to church, go to church. That's the way. That's the way. If you save it for Sunday, you're going to be really good with him. But he didn't go through all those 33 years of being born in a barn for that. He's not just a guy for the weak-minded. There's a great former atheist who says something. I want to read this. Dennis Radcliffe said, we don't want to miss out a former atheist. Did you catch that, by the way? Not a current atheist, a former atheist. We don't want to miss out of the fullness of life with God, whether we think we need it or not. It's not a question of being weak-minded. It's a question of recognizing that what he did, being born in all those years, was to offer us the way for fullness of life. The Bible says nobody goes to the Father except through Jesus. That's why he was born. To know him. To make the path to the Lord. To make a path to what God has. And it's not just God in the afterlife. You know, we don't just follow God as a great retirement plan. When people have that mentality, they say, yes, God, I want the retirement plan. I'm going to do whatever I want for the rest of my time here. But when I die, then I'll go to heaven. He didn't go through all 33 years of all that. For that. He went through 33 years of relationship with us right now. Right now. He's the path. In Jesus, we have fullness of life. If you've never experienced that before, you go, that sounds weird. If you've experienced before that, and you know what I'm talking about, and you've understood the life-changing impact of Jesus, true? There is a fullness of life that comes through living with Jesus every day. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Sundays. Sundays are nice. There's not a fullness of life that comes through compartmentalizing him. If you've ever tried to do that, you know what I'm talking about. It's very frustrating to have dual identities. Sunday identity, week-long identity. Sunday, week. It's like a schizophrenic Christian. Fullness of life. That's what he came to bring. There is hope in him. Anybody that would live 33 years and die sacrificially for me gets my attention. What's the story, Jesus? Why did you do it? Because I want to offer you, Jim Sussler, fullness of life. I want to offer you, Al, fullness of life. Jerry, fullness of life. Andy, fullness of life. Judy, fullness of life. Every last one of us. That's why he did it. Right in front of us, every year at Christmas time, we remember the story. We hear about it. We go hustling, bustling, see family and friends, and we make travels and these sorts of things. We can't forget the real reason. It's because he came to offer us fullness of life. Can you think of a better time to accept that than this time? 
Can you think of a better day to say, yes, Jesus, if you offer fullness of life, I want it. Can you think of a better time than, take, than going for that today? Anybody can think of a better time? I cannot. So I want to give you the chance. Please bow your heads just for a minute. Now, why are we bowing our heads? Just in case you're nervous. But if you want fullness of life, if you say, yep, Jesus, I recognize you did all these things. You were born and you went on this wonderful journey so I can know you, so I can have satisfaction, so I can have fullness in my life. Regardless of the circumstances that are going on, you bring peace to me in a way that nobody else brings peace. And if you want a piece of that pie, just look at me. Just peek at me. If you have felt distant from him, and you've tried to compartmentalize, you've tried to package him in on Sundays, you've treated him like a Sunday morning activity only, and you want to square that up with him this morning, just take a peek at me as well. All right, you can look up. If you made a decision for the first time to accept fullness of life with him, I'm pretty excited for you. I really am. Because to follow Jesus, there's nothing else like it. He changed the world when he was born. It was the start of the journey of world change. He put a system in where we can just get to know him on a very relational level. We don't have to have answers. All we have to do is look for the one who went through it all for us. It's amazing how things line up after that. It's very simple. Now, if you, came, if you looked up and at the time to say, I want to just re-square it away. Spectacular! That's a wonderful thing. I can think of no better day to re-square it away than today. So I'm going to pray, and I want all of you to repeat after me. And it's going to hit it. It's going to hit new timers, first timers. It's going to hit square awayers. I made that up. <laughs> Are you ready? So please bow your heads and we'll pray. Father God, I thank you for your birth. Jesus, and all that you did in leading a way to you. I offer you my life or I rededicate my life declaring you as my Lord. I seek you now for fullness. Of life and hope that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. That's who he is. That's it. He is somebody who wants relationship with us. Now, I don't want to make it too squishy wishy, right? Relationship means you, there's a little give in there and there's a little take. We take whatever he wants us to do and we do it and we give him our life. See, that's the give and take with him. <laughs> but I have fullness. You have fullness. Fullness. We not, might not understand what's going around us. I mean, Joseph didn't. At least at different times we can imagine that he didn't. But we have fullness. And we can believe that. So please stand up. We're going to close our service.
Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you so much for this fellowship, this assembly, God. We are gathered to know you more deeply than ever before. I pray for blessings on everybody here as we go about our way, that all of us would understand more of you and understand more of the relationship. I thank you for this house, God. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.